It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Are you super busy juggling multiple roles, the careers, the kids? Well, sometimes it's a wonder you get dinner on the table. My guest today can relate. Chef Sarah Moulton has been juggling multiple jobs and a full family life for her entire career. As the beloved host of Cooking Live, Cooking Live Primetime, and Sarah's Secrets, Sarah was one of the Food Network's defining personalities. She was the executive chef of Gourmet Magazine for 23 years, and she is the food editor of Good Morning America. She's authored several cookbooks, and her latest is Sarah Moulton's Everyday Family Dinners. And Sarah, I am exhausted just just hearing this. Oh, well, it wasn't all at once. You know? um, I'm not the spring chicken I like to think I am. It's one thing after another. Well, although some of them were happened at the same time. I would say so. You have had, pardon the uh, pardon the food pun, a full plate for a long time. Well, I've got to say, first of all, no spring chicken. You look like one on the cover of your new book. It's a great photograph. But tell us a little bit about really how it all started. Your Your food didn't, your career didn't begin in food, did it? Well, no, I didn't really have a career. I mean, typical kid who goes to college and majors in, you know, irrelevant stuff. Mine was a history of ideas. <laughs> and I wrote a thesis on Virginia Woolf. I mean, you know, and I'm sort of floundering in Ann Arbor, Michigan, having graduated two years prior, working as a cook in a bar, not thinking much about anything, when my mom sort of thought to herself, this will not do. So she wrote to Craig Claiborne, who was the food editor of the New York Times at the time, and Julia Child, and said, if my daughter wants to become a chef, what should she do? And wow. Craig Claiborne actually wrote her back. I, Julia must not have gotten the letter, because Julia always answered everybody. And Craig said, if she wants to become a chef, she should go to cooking school, either Lausanne or the Culinary Institute. And so I, I didn't want to go to Europe. I applied to the Culinary Institute, got in, and the day I walked in there, I was like, oh, my God, this is it. Isn't that amazing? You know, I think that's what people say. There, sometimes when you're and you were lucky to find that out early in life, really, because yes, a I lot hope. of people. Yeah. But you know, you just know when you're in the right spot, don't you? Yep, absolutely. Well, let me just give a plug to your mother because my God, that's what moms are for, right? I mean, <laughs> they step up and 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 sometimes take the initiative for us and make things happen. Exactly. Well, as as a woman and a chef, those two really aren't terribly conducive to starting a family. No, and that's why, I mean, my goal when I went to the Culinary Institute, what I thought for the two years that I was there was that I would become a great, you know, become the best chef I possibly could in a small restaurant, you know, be the owner chef. And um, after I left the CIA, I worked in restaurants for seven years, but what made me finally leave them was not even the pressure or the stress. I, I mean, I sort of thrived in it, you know, it was 80 hours a week and you know, really crazy. It's like fighting a war every night. Yeah. But, I, but I loved it. But what, what made me finally say, wait a second, I need to take a break from this, was the moment when it was like, oops, it's time to have kids. Because I didn't even think the husband and I could connect to hatch a child <laughs> if I was working 80 hours a week. So yeah. I thought I'd take a break, just a, like a leave of absence from restaurants. But after I had the kids, I, I realized, wait a second, they really need me, and they continue to need me. And as a matter of fact, I felt like they needed me more and more and more. I mean, right now, they probably don't need me very much. They're 23 and 19, but now I'm too old. I mean, it's, you know, working in restaurants is a young person's job. Yeah, it's exhausting work. But what did you find? So, so you, obviously, you and the husband did connect, and the kids were born. What were some of the struggles that you found being uh, in the food world while raising the kids? Well, 
it, you know, by the time, you know, I had the kids, I was already working at Gourmet. Yeah. Um, so it was a pretty much a nine-to-five job. Uh, you know, I had the same stresses as any other mother would have at that point. You know, when you say, really, I need to work at 5 o'clock because I need to get to the daycare by 5.30, or they will call the police station and take all the kids down there. <laughs> There's a couple of daycares that are like that. Yeah, you know? there are. And, and your boss comes to you at 5 to 5 and says, no, I really need an answer on this. And you know it's going to take you 15 minutes to answer, and yet you have to get on that train. Yeah. I remember one time uh, running so late, I ran out of the building um, where Gourmet used to be was on 50th and Lex. And we lived down on 18th Street, and where I needed to go was 17th Street all the way on the west side. And I was so late, I knew I just wasn't going to make it on the subway. So one of my superiors, like the second-in-command on the masthead, uh, was getting into a taxi, and I knew she lived in the village. And I just went and got right into the taxi with her and said, Alice... I need to take this cab with you. <laughs> now, that is not something that, you know, uh, you, you really want to do. It's inappropriate. But that's, so I had the same sort of desperate situation as most other moms. You know, working full time, I think, being in the food industry at that point was not the problem. It was just working. Full-time. Yeah, absolutely. But then you did layer on top food. Uh, the Food Network and I Gourmet did. Magazine were coexisting, and I'm sure that was hard. Was it ever hard for you, Gwen, you can admit it, to get dinner on the table? Well, Absolutely, but when I started working at the Food Network, because that was a live show, 7 to 8, Eastern Standard Time, um, five nights a week for the first nine months, and then four nights for the rest of the time, and that was for six years. Um, So that was rough. I I would go and do that show from 7 to 8 and get home at 8.15. So when I got that job, I hired this woman who'd been working with me, Ed Gourmet, uh, sort of doing prep and dishes, I hired her to become my housekeeper. For That's great. So she would um, do the prep for dinner or, and or my husband would help. Um, and then I'd get, well, she would do the prep and then my husband would finish it and then we would still eat dinner at 8.15. Wow. And in the, and in the beginning, it was just my husband and I uh, sitting down. But pretty shortly, I forget how old Ruthie, oh, Ruthie was nine at that time. Sammy was five. I mean, the kids had dinner anyway. It just, uh, you know, they had it earlier because I didn't think they could wait till eight fifteen. But um, I pretty pretty early on, we said to Ruthie, "Do you want to join us for dinner?" And she said, "Sure." You know, so she'd come home and have a snack after school, a serious snack, and then have dinner with us at eight fifteen. Well, if Ruthie was going to have dinner with us, well, then Sammy was. <laughs> so we started right then and there. In some ways, having the, the live show really uh, pushed us into having family dinner almost every night of the week. And I bet it's something you you just cherish that I now. Do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I grew up that way. I did husband, too. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like once you've known, well, as long as you liked your parents and they liked you, I mean, always, <laughs> always moments when nobody likes anybody. That's right. It's it's sort of if you've grown up that way, you really really cherish it. It's very important. It is. It so is. Well, so you're. That's the premise of this latest book, Sarah Moulton's Everyday Family Dinners. Is that they're, they're weeknight meals for families, and I like that your chapter one really starts it all off with head starts. Is this a little bit bringing your professional kitchen into a home kitchen of of creating the ingredients? Yes. Absolutely. Um, but I don't want anybody to feel that if they didn't get this stuff into the fridge or the freezer that they couldn't make any recipe in the book. I mean, I try to give alternatives. So if you're not going to make pie dough, you can buy pie dough. If right. you're not going to make pizza dough, you can buy pizza, pizza dough. If you're not going to make chicken stock, you know, you can certainly use 
the canned or bottled, whatever you like. Right. But, um, yes, absolutely, that is my training. It, it, to me, if I have, you know, leftovers or pre-prepped stuff, like, for example, I'll give you an example. Last, um, three days ago, I made a batch of the tomatillo salsa. And uh, one night I made uh, the recipe in the book, which is... Um, it's proving chicken is recipe number one. This is in another chapter, which is two for one. We make a dish one night. I love that. Several, yeah, it's a great way to cook. Several nights later, you make something else. So what I did is I actually made another recipe for the book a few days earlier, which was the Catopolo hens, and I made too many, so I had all this chicken meat left over. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do the nachos with the tomatillo salsa, but I made a double batch of tomatillo salsa deciding whether I would either you know, use it a few days later or freeze the remainder and use it for another night. But my niece came over for dinner last night, so I used the second half of the tomatillo salsa in uh, clams that are cooked in tomatillo salsa. Oh, yeah. I threw it on pasta, and it was a great meal. And I, was, I feel like having that stuff in the fridge or the freezer... It just makes you. It just makes life so easy. Not not that that is the premise of the book. It's not about stocking your fridge or freezer. It's just about having creative ideas for making dinner, whether you have something on hand or you don't have much on hand. Exactly. But there is a way to pull something to the table. But it's funny that you brought up those two because that was what I was drawn to first. Was chapter one and chapter fourteen, the head starts and then the two for one idea. Because why wouldn't you? make a little something for a future night when you knew it was going to save you some time. And then uh, that brings up another part, though. You talk about in the soup uh, chapter that you really don't need a recipe, that here's the basic way to do it. And you took your tomatilla salsa and made yet another recipe out of it. Is that what you hope for the home cook, that they really don't feel to be a slave to a recipe? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, but I do provide recipes, and they're yes. very precise. And believe me, they gave me a heart attack when I was tack, uh, you know, trying <laughs> them out at home because you don't want to mislead anybody by saying, for, and my stove might be different than your stove, so to say to cook, you know, I think in the first book we said when we were softening onions to cook them over medium. Now I'm, I'm like, no, medium-low, unless you want to brown them. You know, those sort of things, you know, are splitting hairs, but it's for the home cook, it's important. Yeah. So I write the recipes so somebody has every bit of information that they need. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. Just I'm, I feel very honored to have had a chance to speak to you, and we'll send everybody to SarahMolton.com. You've got to check out the latest book, Sarah Moulton's Everyday Family Dinners, uh, Sarah's Secrets for Weeknight Meals. Sarah Moulton, just a pleasure to speak with you, and thanks for being on Amy's Table. Amy, thank you. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102.